This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America, brought to you through the cooperation of the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, and Link TV. And now, here's host Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week, we return to our special focus on Cuba with discussions on the arts and the internet. But first, Gabriela Conchola is away this week. Instead, Sierra Hancock is here with our weekly review of news from around Latin America. Election year tensions are rising between Argentina and the United Kingdom this week. The British Ministry of Defense announced new plans to spend more than $26 million each year for the next decade to modernize defenses on the Falkland Islands in the South Atlantic. The Falklands are a British overseas territory. Argentina and Britain fought a war over the islands in the 1980s, with the British maintaining control. Various British media have reported that Argentina is close to striking a deal with Russia to lease 10 long-range bombers that could threaten the islands. Michael Fallon, the British defense minister, responded to questions about that deal before Parliament. I hope there is no doubt about our determination to stand up to any kind of intimidation or any kind of threat to to our territory or the rights of those who want to uh, remain British. And I hope the message that will go out from all sides of this House today is, as I said, that we respect the right of the islanders in the decision they have taken to remain British. Voters on the Falkland Islands voted overwhelmingly two years ago to remain a British overseas territory. British voters go to the polls later this spring in national elections that will include a decision on prime minister, and voters in Argentina will pick a new president in the fall. Some observers feel the tough talk on both sides is a result of election year sloganeering. The U.K. says it will upgrade the island's helicopter force and missile defenses, among other plans, in the next decade. A World Health Organization report on a common weed killer has spurred a new round of condemnation for the U.S.-sponsored aerial spraying campaign in Colombia. The campaign aims to cut the supply of cocaine through aerial bombardment using the herbicide called Roundup. The World Health Organization says glyphosate, the base chemical in Roundup, causes cancer in humans. Monsanto, the company that makes Roundup, denies that finding. The aerial spraying program covered 136,000 acres of Columbia last year. Monsanto, like this program, is based in the St. Louis area of Missouri. Major League Baseball in the U.S. has a Cuban dream. The dream is playing an exhibition game in Cuba next year. With the diplomatic opening between the two countries, Major League Baseball announced its intentions of returning to Cuba this week. The two countries last played an exhibition game in 1999 when the Baltimore Orioles played the Cuban national team. But the hopes for an exhibition have at least one problem ahead. Cuban officials say they haven't had any official talks on this point yet. And they say the announcement from Major League Baseball was all just based on speculation from U.S. diplomatic sources. We'll have more on Cuba in a moment. For Latin Pulse, this is Sierra Hancock. Thanks, Sierra. And thanks also to our listeners, especially those in El Salvador, who responded to our program last week on the martyrdom of Archbishop Oscar Romero. Through our listeners, we found out about the Martyrs Project, a music project setting some of Romero's writings to music. Let my blood be a seed of freedom. Let my blood be a seed can hear more about that production at the martyrs project all one word, dot com 
So our shout-out this week goes to our listeners in San Salvador, where we had more listeners this week than any other spot on the globe. To our listeners, we say mil gracias. And now, back to our special focus this year on Cuba. Director Flora Lawton and playwright Raquel Carrillo are the founders of Teatro Buendia in Havana. Lately, the duo are known for their experimental adaptation of Shakespeare's The Tempest, giving it a Cuban cultural base and presenting their adaptation on global tours. This year, Lawton and Carrillo visited Webster University in St. Louis as visiting faculty. Here are excerpts from our interview with them, conducted remotely on the university's campus. The first voice you'll hear is director Flora Lawton. In Cuba, everyone has a lot of expectations with these possibilities of exchanges in cultural or in any other, in other, in any other way because they have been so forbidden because the, the tensions of the two countries that uh, everyone wants to figure re in real <laughs> in real life what is that other person called the American you know because uh, uh, one thing is what you hear or or in the radio or in the press that's the official version that's always uh, it's, it's not it's not the real one and so uh, this possibility that opens the door to this kind of, of uh, of exchanges between our countries is, well, I can't describe it. Uh, uh, we are without words. When we first uh, opened the, 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 the TV, uh, when, uh, when our, the president of our government spoke about this possibility, and we were, we were so amazed because we, we thought we were not going to leave to see this day. You're in the middle of this country, mm -hmm. and so it's different than it would be to take a visit to Florida. Mm -hmm. what, what has been the reaction of people from this part of this country to you as Cubans? To tell you the truth, I love them. I love people here in San Luis. They have been so friendly. They have been so open. Um, normally, uh, you know, in our culture, we are very warm uh, people and for our surprise here people on the streets in uh, uh, in the university uh, all, all of them have the same warmth in the taxis <laughs> in the taxis uh, towards us and also they're very interested Oh, you come from Cuba? Tell us what hi what is happening there. How did they get? How did the Cubans? Uh, 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 what are their reactions to this uh, possible uh, this opening for the possibilities? And uh, we are we are we are really amazed and very happy that uh, we are human beings, and in so many ways we are so alike, you know, and we are also in love with this mysterious relation that had not been explored for so many years. I would like to talk about your, your theater and your, in your theater company, mm -hmm. if we could. The theater that you make is contemporizing, making, mm -hmm. making things modern mm -hmm. that have been much older plays. Mm -hmm. And because you are in Cuba, of course, they're not 
obviously political, but they also make contemporary statements. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, everything is political. Even if you don't want to make a political speech, if you, re if you live in a, in a reality that's political, you have to respond to that. So our plays are, uh, our plays are not a, a, a sweet uh, vision of reality. We have, to est we have to establish a dialogue with that man that is a contemporary man about mm -hmm. our reality. And our reality is not sweet or soft or whatever you can call it. So it's a hard political issue, even if we don't do it in a direct uh, speech. Why don't we do it in a direct speech? Well, first of all, I don't like life that it reproduces life as it is. I have always liked, since I was very little, to play as a game with reality. And I like a metaphor and so does Raquel. So we use met metaphors to, to express our images in the theater. So it can be, it can have many rhythms and on the whole, the audience that lives there says, okay, what they did is uh, their statement of this and that and, and that. But uh, I can make my own statement. It's not a, a, um, a speech that you can hear in the radio. It's not what you read in the newspaper. It's a multiple vision of reality. Did you have something to add? Yes, if you live in a very political country, you, you need to uh, not to not ignore on uh, you, you have a compromise yes with the audience but you, you you try to to make another kind of of convention not directly political in a political way but uh, to create a space of freedom Liberty? of a of freedom of a yes, space of freedom, a space of emotional things, not only uh, rational, rational things, rational, rational so things. Uh, then is, that's a reason because theater is for us a game, a space to a space of a freedom, game. of a complicity with the audience. So I think that this is news for Americans to feel that you have had space for expression mm -hmm. even in a very politicized mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. Do you see that you will have more space in the future? To tell you the real truth, we have, always, we have gained our freedom. First of all, because we have worked very hard. Secondly, because we do not, uh, we intend never to have a superficial uh, a point of view about our society. So when you're saying you have gained your freedom, you mean you too as artists? Yes. We do whatever we want in our theater. And our theater group makes the, the theater we want to make in Cuba. But we have gained it because we have worked very hard. We have a prestige in many countries of the world. We are well known because of our work. And, and, and I will tell you, uh, we but have for a space of freedom in, a, in, our, in our theater, in our theater space. 
but for this you have you must have a strategy of language. It's not a common language. But we don't like it the is, common language. No, we also. don't like it, but it's a strategy to to implicate the audience, to communicate not only like I said, like I said, uh, as I said, uh, ideas all the time, but emotions that maybe they can't. Uh, in, in a direct form of interpretation, but with the heart, you know. Uh, it's important for us that kind of communication. And it, it, is, based, it is based in a, in a strategy of language, a scenic language. What I tell you. Metaphorical language. We have worked not only in Cuba, we have worked in many, many countries, and we always use our same language. And very, very few times we had to make subtitles. Very few, just in Singapore, Canada, uh, Chicago, and Toronto. That's about all. All the time we work with our same language, not only the language that you, that you see through images. And Physical. And, no, no. and and uh, feelings, but also through with the Spanish language we have worked, and people understand it very well because there are many things as I was telling you between our two countries that we have in common. We have a universal language that has to do with feeling, that has to do with well many 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 wishes, many hopes, many dreams. I have been to Cuba. And I've heard both of you speak here in the United States about the richness of arts in Cuba. This is not something that people in the United States expect, that there is a rich place for culture in a society that we view as a closed society. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell us about culture in general in Cuba and how arts and theater are supported? They are supported. Uh, by the government. Uh, by the go everything is uh, supported by the government. You don't own theaters or spaces. No. Uh, you have university, a university of art, that uh, there you can learn uh, uh, theater, uh, playwriting, etc., etc. Et you have a, a, play, a place that's called San Alejandro that is for painters. For painters and, and so on. But always. Uh, we had, in this sense, we had had protection. With what little resources we have, very little, I, I will tell you that, for example, when we go abroad, and we go abroad very, very, very often, we always, what we gain, we have to buy with that clothes, uh, lightings, makeups, etc., 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 because we don't have it in the country. But the country has supported, in this sense, the arts, and that's the truth. We have spe an a space for us, and we have time, you but, know. But we have the most important thing is that we have time mm -hmm. for, uh, research. for research. For research. That's something that you don't for have experiment. in any other place in the world. For example, when we work in the Tempest, we were for a year, uh, for a year or and a half, for a mm -hmm. year and a half. Uh, researching. Researching not only about Shakespeare's uh, 
play, but also about Afro-Cuban, Afro-Caribbean Afro religion, Afro-Cuban Afro -Cuban dancers, and and we made the actors to study all dances that they have in the Afro religion, Afro-Caribbean, Afro even if they don't didn't use them after that for the play, but but it was something that we could stand our feet in and don't make a, a superficial folkloric uh, play about the, uh, about Shakespeare original play so one thing we have the time the other thing is uh, our our space uh, I taught my actors that were my students before that they have to reconstruct it because it was a ruin and that was not a job that normally actors do. But in this case, we have to make that sacrifice because for me that's an essential quality of the actor. It's a quality because we don't do commercial theater, so you don't gain anything by doing theater, very little, almost nothing. So you have to have this spirit. If you don't have a place to work and you are able to reconstruct an old ruin, then you do that. That takes patience, that takes time, that takes love, that, that takes faith. So let, let's talk about The Tempest in, in your adaptation. You consciously said that you brought in Afro-Cuban dances. Mm -hmm. And obviously the ideas and the spirit of Santeria are part of this. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because um, <laughs> uh, for us, in a way, the view of Shakespeare when he did these encounters between the two uh, worlds uh, were not as, not as modern as we should have these days. For example, for us, Caliban in, in Shakespeare's vision is something very similar to a cannibal. You understand what I mean? Yes. And Sikorax uh, uh, is, is a, a, witch a witch in Shakespeare's version. In our it's version, normal, and it's normal. <laughs> uh, but for us, for us, Sikorax is a goddess, and we then there we establish a bridge between the goddess of the tempest of Shakespeare's tempest and ours. And her other daughters are also goddess in the African religion. They are Oshun, that Oshun is the goddess of honey and love and prosperity. Oya, she is the goddess fertility. of, 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 of Oshun, of fertility. Uh, Oya, she is the goddess of the cemetery. She has the power to kill you and to bring you with the death, or she, ha or she gives you the possibility of not entering in her world. And Elewa is a, a god of mm, the forest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in Afro-Caribbean mm -hmm. culture. And, and so there are Orishas. Orishas. Yes, the Orishas. There are Orishas, that's the name. There are Orishas. And, uh, in the Patakines. Patakines is the, the name stories, of the uh, Afro-Caribbean Afro stories. Laura Lawton, Raquel Cario of Teatro Bendia, our guest today on Latin Pulse. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Rick, for having us. <laughs> this is Tom Scared for the Borgen Project. Each year, nearly two million children die from preventable diseases. Each day, 30,000 people die from hunger. 500 each hour are children. The Borgen Project is turning this around. 
We need your help. To learn more, go to borgenproject.org. That's B-O-R-G-E-N project.org. The Internet revolution is slowly coming to Cuba. About two weeks ago, the Cuban government allowed the opening of the first free public Wi-Fi hotspot at a cultural center in Havana. And last month, various media outlets reported on how thousands of residents of Havana were connecting to a private intranet in Havana using fiber cable. But the Internet in Cuba is slow. The speed is only about a fifth of the average speed in the U.S., not as slow as dial-up service, but almost. We spoke to Ted Hankin about the Internet and computer connectivity in Cuba. Hankin is a professor at Baruch College at the City University of New York and the co-author of Entrepreneurial Cuba. We reached him in New York City via long-distance line. There's a lot of things that are off-limits, prohibited, illegal in Cuba, but Cubans are always dreaming up ways to get around that. In many ways, you could you could blame socialism or the Cuban version of state socialism for encouraging this kind of maker-do-it-yourself backdoor culture that exists in Cuba, and that applies to the economy, obviously, the black market, to the underground activities, but also it applies to the Internet. So I would say that in some ways there's a, there's a huge growth to be expected in the Internet because it is so uh, minuscule. The penetration rate is somewhere around 5%. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that Cubans are completely isolated and offline uh, because there's a whole world of in- inventos, they say in Spanish, inventions, uh, strategies, uh, workarounds that Cubans have dreamed up. And two of the most prominent ones uh, uh, currently, uh, you mentioned one, one is called SNET. Uh, sometimes it's referred to as a mesh network that is basically a Wi-Fi, a local area Wi-Fi that's set up by savvy, young, usually Cuban engineer types who allow a group of people in the same you know, a physical geographic space to connect um, their computers together offline. Um, and this is a mostly a share idea an economy of sharing, but it does also, you have to kind of pay to get on the network, um, so it is something that is monetized. Also, there's this other phenomenon, which is much more broadly experienced in Cuba, which is kind of the Cuban version of the Internet, um, given that there's very low penetration and access, very low speeds. People use the download, upload, uh, flash drive version to uh, get and share and distribute and even sell all kinds of digital data. This thing is called in Cuba El Paquete Semanal, the weekly packet of digital information that is sold and shared uh, uh, with entertainment, news, games, apps, etc. So this is flash drives that are being distributed that people are sharing with each other? That's how that packet gets circulated? They use flash drives primarily because of their small size and their ability to carry so much data, um, so it, it makes it discreet. You can apply a, a Cuban saying to the activities in this area, which is, tu puedes tocar uh, la cadena, pero no el mono, which translates as, you can play with the chain, but don't touch the monkey. Right? <laughs> Cubans have a really great sense of humor, and what what that means in this sense is that 
the government will tolerate a certain amount of uh, risk of, of people breaking the rules or bending the rules as long as they don't touch a few sacred cows or threaten a few sacred cows. And those are, you know, the, the, the Castro brothers' leadership positions and the and how the government frames it, the decision of the Cuban people to build socialism. You know, the system itself, the state socialism, if you uh, threaten those two areas, then, then it's kind of off with your head, right? You're considered a dissident, a mercenary, and, uh, and you're, 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 you're blackballed. But there's a lot of tolerance for people who behave uh, and just stop short of those things. You mentioned dissidents, and, and I know that you have, of course, have connections and have been in touch with Yoni Sanchez and, of course, the, the Cuban dissident movement online in Cuba. There, there has been an opening for those folks to exist in, in recent years, although they're talking mainly to people off the island rather than on the island. How do you see their that, situation changing? Kind of distinguish in this case between a right, permission, and a toleration, and then a repression. It's kind of a spectrum of how the government uh, uh, responds to things. And in very few cases have any of the openings that we've seen been framed or or, or, or or legislated in terms of inalienable citizen rights. Much, much of them, even the very positive change in citizens' ability to travel abroad, is still not really a right. It's more of a permission uh, that could be... Uh, there's a lot of arbitrary language in the law that gives the state a lot of leeway to curtail the right of travel um, which is a universally recognized human right. Uh, and, and just for example, recently Antonio Rodiles, the founder of Estado de Sats, this kind of TED Talk um, independent um, organization in Cuba that is highly critical of the government, he was, his, his passport was just seized and he's no longer able to travel. He traveled quite extensively over the last two years abroad. Um, and, and they seized his passport. So it's not a right if they can take it away without due process. However, there has been uh, uh, spaces of toleration um, in, in, in the media and the arts. Um, that has grown over the last, I would say, 20 years, but uh, also the last five years. So I, I think it, it, it's uh, um, important also to recognize that some of these things didn't happen because the government decided it. Often these things happen because... People, artists, activists, bloggers, took risks, crossed certain lines that before um, weren't crossed. They may have been sanctioned, punished, warned, harassed, but then more people did it, and it, and it, and it basically it gradually created space because people occupied a space and other people did the same, and the government in some ways was forced to cede or decided to cede that space given that they didn't feel like it was as important to, to repress it. Um, so it's a dynamic situation, um, and, and this is also something that we see reflected online. If you look at, for example, there are a number of, you might call them online magazines or newspapers that exist now in Cuba. Um, some are clearly uh, openly critical and independent and don't ask permission, um, but have been tolerated. The, the most obvious example is Catorce y Medio, 14 and a half, the uh, daily newspaper founded uh, and run 
by Ioanni Sanchez and Ronaldo Escobar. Uh, but there's also others that are a little bit less, let's say, independent or in your face. One is that's very interesting is called On Cuba, which is run by a guy named Hugo Cancio. He is kind of lives in Miami, but most of the people who work at this online kind of news site are in Cuba, and it even has an office in Cuba. So it has a much greater degree of toleration, even though they both kind of exist in this no man's land legally. Thank you so much, Ted Hankin, a All professor right. at uh, Baruch College, City University of New York, the co-author of Entrepreneurial Cuba, our guest today on Latin Pulse. Thank you. Thank you for your time and for your interest. I look forward to, to, to listening. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Latin Pulse. If you'd like to send us your suggestions or comments, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you may write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. If you're looking for earlier editions of Latin Pulse, we're available in various locations on the web, including iTunes, Facebook, and Flipboard. You can also find us in the Brazilian online game, Mini Mundos. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org slash Latin Pulse. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, production assistant Sierra Hancock and producer Jim Singer, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escuchenos otra vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced at the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, with music copyright support through Webster University and Link TV. This program is copyright 2015 Las Rocas Productions. <laughs> <laughs>